Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to episode 29 of the Strange Catholics podcast. This week, we're going to talk about Lent. We're going to talk about Ash Wednesday. Our saint this week is St. Polycarp. And to begin with opening prayer, we're going to turn it over to Terry. All right. Good evening and welcome, brothers. Good to see you all. Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious and heavenly Father, as we come together as brothers in Christ, let us just remember that we are here for you, to worship you, and to bring your word through the platform of this podcast to all your faithful believers. Heavenly Father, just send your Holy Spirit down upon us, be with us in our time together, and let our words be your words. And we pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We've, we've entered another wonderful season of Lent, 40 days for us to repent and do good things and give up sweets, whatever it is. So in our quick opening session here, let's talk a little bit about Ash Wednesday and the start of Lent before we get into more of the the body of Lent and what we need to be doing during Lent and so on and some ideas. What did you guys, what was your guys' experience for Ash Wednesday? Did you go at, did you go at noon? Did you go in the evening? I assisted at the Mass in the evening. It was very, very full, more full than our normal Sunday liturgies. Uh, so, you know, it was a bit of a different experience with that many people. Uh, the distribution of ashes, I think we talked about it last week on the podcast, but if not, they were sprinkled this year uh, due to the Vatican direction. So. So uh, that's what we did was sprinkle them on the tops of heads. And I think there's some beautiful spiritual aspects to that as well. It was nice to be able to be together, to still celebrate in, you know, at the very beginning of Lent and not have all of this looming COVID. You know, there was we were right on the precipice, I think, last year about this time. Uh, if If I remember correctly, about the time Lent started, people were starting to wean away from mass and there was so i'm just happy to be gathered together as a community it's a beautiful way to start off lent on this non-holy day of obligation but still a great day to do that yeah at our church i actually had the opportunity to uh to go twice once at the church that i work for went in the morning um and 
at that mass, beautiful mass. Father did a wonderful job. And he actually said that the, that the sprinkling of ashes on top of the head is actually more biblical. So I found that interesting. Priests that I work for really... Uh, really doused people with the ashes. He didn't, he did not do, he did not do a sprinkling. Let's just say that much. And then uh, went with my wife and my son. So both times I was a member of the congregation. I was not assisting at mass. Uh, went with my wife and my son at 530 that evening. And again, beautiful mass. Our parish priest did a wonderful job. And the thing that I found very interesting was that we had Visually speaking, we had more people attending that Mass than we did the 4 p.m. Christmas Eve Mass this past year. There were a lot of people there. Wow. That's because they all, that's because they all think it's a holy day of obligation. Probably. Maybe. 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 Well, maybe they just, they really have that desire for that mark of the sign of faith. I pray for the for the fact that people will receive clarity and that the Holy Spirit will infuse them with the responsibility to go. However, this Sunday, you will see very few of them. So it doesn't last very long. But I pray for that and hope for that. So what I will tell you is I was in the office yesterday and, and got out of the office late and Ran home, pick up my wife, and I go, we got to go. You know, it's Holy Day <laughs> obligation. Like, guys should know. But you think that, right? Because for us, we think of it as a Holy Day of obligation for us, right? Even though it's not officially a Holy Day of obligation. Um, and uh, my wife informed me that I was wrong, that it wasn't a Holy Day of obligation. So as, we got there. As only there. your beautiful wife can do. <laughs> I got to stop talking about her, okay? The, <laughs> get that flow back and stuff. Um, but uh, we we did ashes on the forehead, so the bishop here decided we're just making the cross, right? And uh, and that was good, and love that. I mean, it's very traditional, you know. So I mean, it went well, and there were a lot of people there. And you're right, I. I I do think there there are more people there because maybe they think because it's the right thing to do to start off this period of time, which is such an important time, right, for us. And uh, we're going to talk more of that here in a in a minute or two. But uh, I, I mean, it was just it was wonderful. It was, I think it was more more important this year than it has been you know, in any years past because of the ability for us to, you know, we can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as getting back to some sort of normalcy from the pandemic now that there's vaccines and the case case count is starting to drop and this type of thing. So I think it's important for us to start to gather again and as a congregation and so on. So I think it was wonderful. Yeah, there there were quite a few people, and I know we've we've touched on the fact that it's not a holy day of obligation, but it really isn't. It is. I mean, yeah, so it isn't a holy day of obligation in the sense that 
it's a day that's required, but it's a really important day just in that beginning the Lenten season, which is so very important. And it's not a holy day of obligation because you can't have a fasting day and holy day of obligation together. So Good right. Friday isn't either. It's it a is, fasting it is, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but it's a very important day in our liturgical calendar, especially just in making that walk with Christ as we begin this journey into the desert with him in our own desert, trying to lessen the things that are drawing us away from him. So we'll talk about more than that in the next segment. But if you're listening to this podcast, you should view Good Friday and Ash Wednesday as holy days of obligation, meaning you need to go. Okay, just know that you need to go on those days. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Very important. Let's transition to talking the main topic, which is more about Lent, and Phil's got a lot of information on that. Again, we're going to keep it light like we did last week. We're not going to go too deep, but just talking about the season of Lent. We've had a Lenten season in the church, at least it's recorded in the second century, so for a long, long time. It's changed only very slightly, but even by the mid-300s, it was solidified as a 40-day period. So we've had this for a long period of time, this period of really being out in the desert with our Lord and trying to draw ever closer to him. So whatever you might have planned for Lent, make sure that it's practical, it's meaningful, and it's attainable. Because if you try to say you're going to skip meals every day until three o'clock, and maybe you're not a person that can fast, uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen could not fast, and he was open about that, but a very holy person, and he found other ways. So just find something that works for you, and that really helps you draw closer to the Lord, because our spiritual exercises should draw us closer to the Lord. They're not just something we do for our own individual benefit. They should be really something that's drawing us into the Lord. And in all of this, as we heard in our scriptures, uh, especially in our gospel yesterday uh, for Ash Wednesday, you know, we need to be joyful. We need to not look like we're fasting. We need to not look like we're in this horrible penitential season. We need to really be exuding joy because even amidst our sacrifices, we should still be able to find that joy welling up within us, that joy of Christ within us. And if our sacrifice is robbing some joy from us and especially having any impact on any of our relationships, we should really uh, reconsider maybe what it is that we're doing. Um, I know I've given up things that have not made things easier for my family, maybe some other coworkers. So it's just, you know, being mindful of how, what it is we're doing, right? We want to make these, sometimes we come up with these huge lofty goals and they really have a negative impact on those closest to us or maybe our coworkers, whatever it might be. And that's not a benefit. When we're sacrificing to a point where we're negatively impacting others, that's no longer good for either of us. So we want to make sure that we're doing something, again, that's practical for us, meaningful, that to draw us closer to the Lord, and it's attainable. It's not like, I'm going to read the whole Bible in Lent. That might not be attainable. I'm not that fast of a reader, so... That's not where I'm going to go. I have some things I'm going to do as far as reading to try and learn and draw ever closer to our Lord. But it does not mean I'm going to try and read all of the Bible during Lent. So just make it attainable. Uh, it's a good practice, really, with any goal. Uh, there's 
I have a list of things that I'll be including in the show notes, but there's just a list of things, some simple things that we can do during Lent, whatever it might be. So we have the thing that we're doing, right? We're giving up something. Hopefully we're adding some kind of spiritual component to it as well. That could be maybe going to adoration once a week or twice a week if we already go once a week, going to a daily mass during the week if we can, um, praying the Anima Christi. Uh, it's a beautiful prayer that really draws us into who Christ is, what he's drawing us into, and how he longs to give us his mercy and save us from the chains that try to bind us. In addition to that, you know, just some other beautiful prayers that we can be adding during this holy season of Lent to try and really draw us. Uh, something that we do as a family is we do Stations of the Cross every Friday at our parish. It's a beautiful way to meditate on our Lord's Passion, especially in community, if you can, and just really draw into that mystery, that the suffering that Christ went through for us, and knowing that He's trying to offer, he's trying to carry our cross with us and sometimes for us when we think we can't go on anymore. So before I say any more, I'll turn it over to Terry. Okay, well, Phil, yeah, this is, like you say, this is not a time to walk around being glum, oh, I have to give up chocolate because the Catholic Church says I have to give up chocolate or I have to give up eating meat on Fridays. That's really a bummer. No, it's something to be joyful about, and it's something to nourish and fill our soul and to bring us in, like you said, Phil, bring us into that closer relationship with God. And for me, um, one of the things in hopes that one of these years it might stick is is I try to give up. I'm an avid Coca-Cola drinker, not to you know, give them a, a plug on our podcast here. But, you know, um, I am an avid, avid Coca-Cola drinker. I, I probably drink, you know, more than what is healthy. And so that is something that I sacrifice for Lent because in hopes that, uh, A, number one, uh, it will allow me to maybe kick that soda habit uh, and that dependency on that on that beverage. But number two, um, to help me take better care of my body, because the Bible teaches us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And Amen. so if we're not taking care of our temple, then, you know, we're not taking care, we're not nourishing, you know, the Holy Spirit within us. So in hopes that, you know, I, I will be a healthier me at the end of the this Lenten season. You know, this is what I am trying to do and, and uh, you know, try to lose a few of the extra pounds. If, you know, if, as these gentlemen here can attest to, Bob's just laughing like, yeah, I know where this is going. Um, I do have a, a one or two extra pounds on me. And so it would be a good thing for me to uh, to shed some of that weight. So. Bob, how about you? What are your thoughts? What I want to talk about Lent, you know, really is that I have an axe to grind with people who tell me I want to give up chocolate. I know Terry mentioned that, but they're like, I'm going to give up sweets. I'm going to give up chocolate. I am, I am actually doing that this Lent 
I've decided, and it's basically, it's part of a bigger plan of, you know, like Terry, like you said, just to try to cut some weight. We're trying to eat healthier anyway. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut ice cream out. Okay. Is that a lot? I eat maybe a pint of ice cream, a little Ben and Jerry's pint once a week. I mean, that's not a lot to cut out and I don't eat a lot of other sweets right now. So I've kind of said, okay, I'll just keep that out for the 40 days. Right. And, uh, but that's not a lot. And, and there's some sacrifice in there, but to me, we always focus too much on sacrifice, the sacrifice side or the giving up of something side. And I know you, that you, Terry grew up as a Catholic, but Phil and I obviously were around many Catholics in school and it was always about, well, I'm giving up sweets, you know, and junior high school, high school, I'm giving up sweets. Okay. Are you going to pray more? Cause I know I heard that a lot during uh, mass yesterday about, you know, praying more, right? Yes. Okay. Are you are you praying more? Absolutely. Uh, they even talked about the liturgy of the hours because we're doing something here. We're doing evening prayer uh, on Thursday nights during Lent. They said they were going to do evening prayer, and I'm telling my wife, I'm like doing the fist pump. I'm like, yeah, right. That's awesome. Okay, get those people in there, and so they can do evening prayer, so they can see how wonderful that is. Really um, cool things to do with your family um how about volunteer in a soup kitchen I, i'm gonna do something and, and it's i think that catholics sometimes they limit themselves to this i'm just gonna give up chocolate for this period of time and they don't add those things like prayer or doing some almsgiving things like that and the whole point of that is this is a wonderful time for you to introspectively reflect, make those decisions, and this is this jumpstart to do these things and not end them at 40 days, to continue them. Amen. Amen. Right? Yes. And it just, and, and we all fail at it, right? We all do. I mean, Terry still has a few pounds, right? We all fail at it. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> okay, fills this twig, eats whatever he wants, doesn't gain any weight. And he's still a young guy, so he's yeah. got that higher metabolism. That's the way I, I view Lent and how how important it is, you know. Yeah, so. a, a beautiful perspective I heard from Father Andrew, Andrew Rizzi, who's out in Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, I went to his mass and uh, when... My wife and I went on an anniversary vacation, but uh, so I listened to his podcast, but he mentioned, hey, in the gospel, Christ is first mentioning almsgiving before he men mentions prayer or fasting. So how, you know, as Bob mentioned, what priority are we putting on almsgiving versus our prayer and our fasting? If we're putting fasting at the top of the list and not almsgiving, do we need to make sure that we're putting, you know, the right level of priorities to to what we're doing because if all we're doing is fasting and we're not adding prayer as bob mentioned if we're not adding our almsgiving as bob mentioned those these are the three legs that our stool of lent is really standing on if we are get, not doing one of those our stool is going to fall over and we're not going to grow this lent if you're only giving up chocolate and you don't work in a candy store or a chocolate factory you're probably not taking it as serious as you need to. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
So Terry, Terry mentioned Friday's giving up meat. I just want to talk oh. about, I just wanted to really quickly, right? Cause that, I mean, it can be a difficult thing if you've never given up meat on Fridays before, but it's the universal church around the world abstains from meat on Fridays. It's the United States that added the dispensation where you can do some other type of sacrifice instead of giving up meat. And then it just, most people just don't know about that. But it's not that hard to do to make this little sacrifice on Fridays. And when your family's asking you, why are you doing this? Oh, why are we giving? Well, I wanted to have, hey, we're doing this to try to recall the passion of Christ. And we can make this little sacrifice on Friday for our meals because it's, it really, I mean, in the United States today, it's not that hard to have a meatless meal and still, you know, have enough food that we're not being gluttonous, but still providing the nourishment we need. We don't need meat seven days a week. So, so do you do it every Friday year round now? Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time that way. Do you, Terry? No, we uh, we abstain from meat during the, the six weeks of Lent, but right. um, I'm a carnivore, so unfortunately, we go kind of go back to eating meat then the rest of the year. Yeah, and I, I think that what's happened is, and I'm like you, Terry, I, I'm not consistent enough, I, although I think there are many Fridays we don't eat meat, you know, because... Colleen grew up on her family not eating meat on Fridays. That that was their uh, plan. But we still do. Um, but, but obviously during Lent we don't. I think what's it's kind of been misconstrued and people don't completely understand what it is we're doing. And I think especially those who aren't Catholic, Totally don't get it. They think, you know, it's some sort of, you know, scam to, you know, get, uh, you know, run a bunch of fish fries for the KCs to make money. Fish is allowed. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. That's just, we just abstain from all meat. Right. Um, and, uh, well, don't let the KCs know that because they're making a lot of money on the fish fry and they need <laughs> your support, Deacon. Um or, or you know, you can get the the cheaper you know fillet of fish at McDonald's after four p.m. All that other stuff, right? During Lenten Fridays, you know that type of thing. So, but people don't understand, you know, the role meat played in the historic, you know, Jewish community, right? And how how you weren't eating meat every time. I mean, meat was much more of a wonderful thing to have. So. It was a big deal to have meat, whereas now for us, meat is a normal part of our meal, you know. So it really was a sacrifice for somebody back then who had an opportunity to eat meat to not eat meat. But on solemnities, you can relax it. Like on March 19th, the solemnity of St. Joseph, husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you can have meat because it's a solemnity. Well, there you go. Something I did not know. Thank we're going to talk, sure. have to talk on another podcast about all of these rules. I mean, the thing about the church that's wonderful is we have all these rules and regulation and structure. And the thing that kind of sucks sometimes is we have all these rules and regulations. 
<laughs> right? Isn't it? It kind of is both ways, isn't it, though? Doesn't when, mean I don't love it. It just it, means it can be a little convoluted. Well, it get, does get a little challenging, I will grant you that. but Right, and, you know, I actually have, and we I know we need to move on to to uh, St. Manyfish, uh, who we're talking about today. Did you get that joke? Yes, yes, that was good. That was very good. <laughs> okay. No offense to St. Polycarp. I, I, a wonderful thing. But uh, so let's, uh, let's transition. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with St. Spotlight. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. This week, we're going to talk St. Polycarp, and Terry's going to, well, of course, Terry's going to do it. Terry does it all the time. Take it away, <laughs> Terry. Thank you, Bob. Yes, this week, St. Polycarp is our St. Spotlight of the Week. His feast day is February the 23rd. He is known as the patron saint of earaches. St. Polycarp, probably one of the earliest living saints recorded in the Catholic Church. He was a disciple of St. John the Evangelist. Not much is known about his early life. However, it can be determined that he was born around the year 69 AD from the testimony he gave to his persecutors stating that he, that he had served Christ for 86 years. It is clear that he was either raised as a Christian or became one in his youth growing up among the Greek speaking Christians of the Roman empire. Paul the Carp is regarded as a saint and a church father in the Eastern Orthodox Oriental Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran churches. Although he is not noted as an influential theologian, Polycarp was renowned for his diplomacy and personal piety. These traits served him well in the tumultuous climate of the early church. He would eventually become Bishop of Smyrna. But being part of the second generation of church leaders did have its challenges that the first generation could not teach about. With the apostles gone, heresies sprang up everywhere, pretending to be true teaching. Persecution was strong, and controversies arose over how to celebrate liturgy that Jesus never laid down rules for. Polycarp, as a holy man and bishop of Smyrna, found that there was only one answer— to be true to the life of Jesus and imitate that life. By his major writing, the letter to the Philippians, and his widespread moral authority, Polycarp combated various heretical sects, including certain Gnostic groups that claimed religious salvation exclusively through their spiritual knowledge. According to St. Irenaeus, during the time his fellow Syrian, Anicetus, was bishop of Rome, Polycarp visited Rome to discuss differences in the practices of the churches of Asia and Rome. Irenaeus states that on certain things, the two speedily came to an understanding, while as to the observance of Easter, each or adhered to their own custom without breaking off full communion with the other. Polycarp followed the Eastern practice of celebrating the feast day on the 14th day of Nisan, the day of the Jewish Passover, regardless of the day of the week on which it fell, while Anicetus followed the Western practice of celebrating the feast 
on the first Sunday following the first full moon after the spring equinox. Anicetus allowed Polycarp to celebrate the Eucharist in his own church, which was, which was regarded by the Romans as a great honor. Around the year 155 AD, Polycarp became aware that government authorities were on the lookout for him seeking to stamp out Catholic, the Catholic Church's claim of being a higher authority than the emperor. He retreated to a country house and occupied himself with constant prayer. During his prayer, he saw a vision of his pillow turned to fire and announced to his friends that I must be burned alive. He then changed locations, but was betrayed by a young man who knew his whereabouts and confessed it under torture. He had a little warning since he was upstairs in a farmhouse, but decided to say, stay, saying, God's will be done. Then he went downstairs, talked to his captors, and he fed them a meal. All that he asked of them was that they give him an hour to pray. He spent two hours praying for everyone he had known for the church and remembering all who had come at any time his way, small folk, great folk, distinguished, undistinguished, and the whole Catholic Church throughout the world. Many of his captors started to wonder why they were arresting this holy 86-year-old bishop. Entering the stadium where they were about to be executed, the bishop, along with some of his companions who survived to tell of it, heard a heavenly voice saying, Be strong and show yourself a man, O Polycarp. Before the crowd, the Roman proconsul demanded again that he worship the emperor. Polycarp replied, Hear me, declare with boldness, I am a Christian, the bishop said. And if you wish to learn what the doctrines of Christianity are, Appoint me a day, and you shall hear them. You threaten me with fire, he continued, which burns for an hour, and after a little while is extinguished. But you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment and of the eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. But he, he challenged the proconsul, what are you waiting for? Bring forth what you will. Although the crowds rather um, clamored for Polycarp to be devoured by beast, it was decided he should be burned alive just as he prophesied. He prayed aloud to God, May I be accepted this day before you as an acceptable sacrifice, just as you, the ever-truthful God, have foreordained, revealed beforehand to me, and now have fulfilled. What happened next struck Polycarp's companions with amazement. They recorded in the site, in the letter that they circulated after Polycarp's death, as the flame blazed forth in great fury, they wrote, we whom it was given to witness it beheld a great miracle. The fire did not touch the bishop's body, rather, as they described, shaping itself into the form of an arch it encompassed, as by a circle, the body of the martyr, and he appeared within not like flesh, which is burnt, but
but as bread that is baked or as gold and silver glowing in a furnace. Moreover, we perceive such a sweet odor coming from the flames as if frankincense or some precious spices had been burning there. The executioners perceived that Polycarp's death was not going as planned. Losing patience, they ordered him to be stabbed to death. From the resulting wound, there came forth a dove and a great quantity of blood so that the fire was extinguished. The crowd, as the Christian witnesses recalled, were understandably amazed. The acts of Polycarp's martyrdom are the earliest preserved, fully reliable account of a Christian martyr's death. St. Polycarp has been venerated as a saint since his death in 155 AD. And again, we're just touched the surface of this great saint. I invite all of our listeners to do uh, their own research, find their own resources, and really find out what a great early Christian leader and wonderful man St. Polycarp was. St. Polycarp. Pray for us. All right. Thanks, Terry, for that great, great rundown on St. Polycarp. We've come to that point in the broadcast where we ask you, we beg of you to rate us on your uh, podcast platform, wherever you listen to us. If it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get it, please rate us and you know, give us five stars. Please do it for me. I'm asking very nicely. Messages. We need messages. We need comma. We need you to talk to us. We're talking to you through the podcast. We want you to at least reciprocate and, and talk back to us. You can tell us you don't like us. You can tell us what's wrong with us. We, we'd love to hear that. That would help improve the show. We're here to pray for you pray with you and pray for you. We want your prayer requests. We never have an issue with getting our prayer requests in every week because we already we all know people who are sick and are hurting and, and groups of people. So we can put those things together, but we want to make that even more robust by you adding those prayer intentions. So please do that. And you can contact us at StrangeCatholicsPod at gmail.com, anchor.fm forward slash StrangeCatholics to leave us a voice message. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, during this Lenten season, we just pray that we would draw ever closer to your divine Son. We pray especially for those that are pregnant, for those that are struggling to become pregnant, those that are suffering from that great scourge of infertility. We pray for protection of life from conception until natural death, that you would continue to reign your peace upon all of those that are pregnant. We pray for all those that are in troubled marriages, that you would provide reconciliation, hope, lasting healing. Pray for all of our political leaders, that they would seek your will. We pray for all those that are sickened by COVID or affected by COVID by any way, financially, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it might be, Lord, we just ask you to rain your blessings, shower them down upon all of those that are suffering. We pray for all caretakers, not just those of COVID, but all caretakers, 
This has been a trying year for everyone, and we just ask you to please grant them peace, rest, and perseverance. Pray for Darla's father who suffered a neck injury, that he may receive healing and the care needed to recover quickly. Pray for Terry's aunt, who will celebrate 99 years on Sunday. May she have a very glorious day and many more to come. Lord, we bring all, bring all of these prayers, those spoken and those in our hearts. We ask you to hear these prayers through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again, everyone, for joining us. Next week, go big, the be the big 3-0. So we'll have a lot in store for you on the big 3-0 broadcast. And until then, love your brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day. And may God bless you.